exactly what you nailed on, you know, this morning. Uh, we're going we're in the chapter 11 of, of the gospel of Luke and it's all about prayer for the first whole half. And, uh, so that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. And, but I wanted to highlight that because there are no, as it was said, coincidences in the kingdom of God. Everything happens for a reason, and we see that continually happen. We have Tyson and Elsa who are putting together the scriptures each time when we get together. And it's just time and time again. Uh, last week was so spot on, and I referenced that, you know, in the message that the scriptures are lining up, and we're not coordinating together. But it's not just in here. That is happening everywhere. Everywhere, everyone we run into, as we talked last week about being ambassadors and being neighbors and being lovers of Christ, that when we connect with people, there is no accident that we're connecting with them. There is a reason. It may be just an initial connection with them to build a relationship. It's not necessarily something of, hey, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus, but it may be. Because he says the harvest is massive, it's great, it's big. And we have this idea that people don't want Jesus. He's the one who made us. He's the one who created us. People want the Lord. They want the resulting peace that comes from knowing Him. And we have the answer. We have the answer and we have the relationship with Jesus in order to be able to introduce them to Him. Mm. I want uh, I want Lauren Ray, Lauren Ray. Where are you? I want him to come up here. I want him just to, to share, just briefly. I'm gonna grab this mic for you. Yeah, go ahead and grab that one. But um, there's we've been praying for Lauren for a little while here. He was in the hospital and uh, facing some very serious health issues, and uh, has been fighting some things for years as well. And and but I wanted him to share about some things because we need to hear. The results, not always just you know, oh man, so and so is facing this, but we need to hear the results as well. So I wanted him to share. Let me check see if you got power. Come close, I'll talk. No. Yeah, that would be way too close. Hello, can everybody hear me? Here we go. That's much better. Thank awkward. you. Awkward. <laughs> awkward. God is good. I, I could stop there. Um, when, when Pastor Eric asked me to share, I, I was very happy to because it, it gives me a firsthand opportunity to say thank you to all of you. Mm. Um, I know you were praying. I, I could feel you praying. There, there was no doubt. Um, for those of you who don't know what happened, <clears throat> Thursday, July 17th, about 11.15 at night, I had the worst headache of my life. And by that I mean, typically, I rarely get headaches, but I, if you do, you take a Tylenol and you go to bed and you wake up being fine. That's a typical guy response, right? I took two Tylenol. That's how bad it was, okay? Um, didn't get any sleep, literally no sleep all night long. Um, 6.30, finally Trish gets up um, and had, bless her heart, um, having a great wife is an awesome thing. She, she made a doctor appointment. I probably wouldn't have. I probably just had to gut it out. Um, 
She made a doctor appointment with Travis Joe Cuffley at Dr. Curtis's office down there. Um, and I, I reluctantly went in and explained the situation to her. And I'll try to be brief. This is a long story. I apologize if I go over my couple minutes. Um, went in around 2 o'clock and explained the situation to her. And she said, you need to have a, a CT scan now. We called the insurance company. They're saying, no, it needs to be referred and, you know, delay it. And if it, if it continues, and she stood up for me, went to bat and said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll take you in. There's an answer to prayer number one. Um, so we went down to Radia, which is real about 600 yards from Evergreen Hospital, and had a CT scan. They took me upstairs, performed that. And they had me laying down still, and they came in and said, can you just hold still for a couple minutes and just relax? We'll be back in a few. I knew it wasn't good at that point. Went downstairs, they did. They grabbed Trisha, brought her up, and said, you've had some hemorrhaging, and we think you had an aneurysm. Not what you want to hear. So they said, we need to get you over to Evergreen ER immediately. And the quickest way to get me there was not to call an ambulance, they said, since Trish drove me to there, they could drive me this, she could drive me the 600 yards to get to Evergreen and not wait for an ambulance. At that point, they said, as long as she promised not to sneeze or cough. So I'm smelling pepper everywhere at that point, right? We get to Evergreen ER, hook up IVs, and we're just playing the waiting game while they look at this um, CT scan. Um, answer to prayer number one, Dr. Rand was just finishing his shift. He comes in, Lauren, it's, it's good to see you. I mean, literally, it's good to see you. Didn't really register at that point. Um, but he prayed, and his prayer was, um, I remember it, it, was, it wasn't definitive because there were so many unknowns at this point. But he prayed for wisdom. He prayed for a touch from the doctors as to what it would take, who would actually see me. He prayed for that. Um, I get a very expensive ambulance ride from Evergreen at that point to Overlake because Overlake had the specialists. Evergreen did not have neurologists and neurosurgeons who could deal with that portion of the brain. Get to, um, get to Overlake and I get a CT angio, a higher level one where they inject vein, um, fluids into the veins and see it. And they say, sure enough, you've had some sort of hemorrhage. We don't know what it is exactly at this time. So. The next day, I get an angiogram, which is a definitive look at your brain and how all the blood vessels work. And yes, I do have a brain, sister. I can prove it at this point. Um, and, and they say, yeah, you've had some, some sort of hemorrhaging. We don't really know what caused it, um, but we need to keep you here for eight days. Um, I get the full round of steroids, two IVs in this arm, one IV in this arm, EKG 24 hours a day. Uh, blood monitoring, I had oxygen sensors, uh, I had to be awoke every hour to run neurological tests 24-7. So I never got more than 40, 45 minutes sleep at any given time. Even with pain meds, they'd wake you up to test you. I was on steroids for four days, um, anti-seizure medication. Um, every day I would have uh, ultrasounds under the chin, over the eyes and the temples, test after test after test. But I was comforted. I, it was almost like I wasn't experiencing it, even though I was going through it. Um, 
And I was fine for those first three or four days. Finally, on Tuesday, um, I lost it. I, I, I let myself take over because I needed answers. I needed to know why. I needed to know what. I didn't know, but that's okay. And, and I know that's where you folks came in. I know, I know that you did not know how to pray because I didn't know how to pray. And I had brain surgeons who didn't know what was wrong with me. There's no way you could specifically pray when a brain surgeon, literally a brain surgeon, doesn't know what's going on. But I felt it. I, I experienced it. Um, and, and so that was my theme. At that point, I, I, I really came to realization saying, I don't know, but that's okay. And I really think that that parlays into what we've been hearing and speaking, even um, you know, being ambassadors and then that bridge. We don't know necessarily what it is or why it is we're doing it, but that's okay. I look at, what did Dan Hammond say a couple weeks ago? He bought cigarettes for a woman. I don't know, but that's okay. We, we don't know the whole story behind that. We don't know what seed was planted that will later be harvested. We don't have to hit a home run every at-bat. Right? I can get a single. That doesn't mean I'm responsible necessarily for going and scoring the run, if you will. But I did my piece. I did my portion. And, and that's why I really want to parlay into all this, that, that God is so good. And it really ties into what Becca was saying, just with a whole... Because I knew I was going to give this about prayer today. Um, yesterday at a football game, Pastor Eric asked me to kind of give this. And so... Um, God is good. It's really parlaying into all this. So seven days, I had more CT scans. Um, and then I, I had a, the final CT scan was an angio CT where they said, hey, it looks good. You can go home. Um, but you'll be on anti-seizure medication for six weeks. So went through all that. Um, headaches still coming and going. Living on aspirin and Tylenol as needed for those. Um, and then... Thursday before last, I had a final CT scan where um, it was going to be the all clear or we need to dive into this further. And Lord showed his mercy once again and everything came up perfectly clear. My blood vessels are fine. What they think happened was a vein literally exploded to the point of the vein is no longer there. And so that's why they can't necessarily say this is specifically what happened because it was so violent that it literally, it blows itself up. Um, in that last doctor appointment, we, we, we heard some of the statistics, um, and, and this really hit home, roughly 50% of the folks that this happens to do not make it to a hospital. They literally are dead on scene. The remaining 50% that make it to a hospital do not live, 50% of those do not live beyond six months. So, and again, at the time, I didn't know this. I, I, I didn't know, but that's okay. Um, so my encouragement would just be, again, parlaying this into our, our ambassador. It's okay not to know, right? We don't have to have the answer for everything. We've kind of been taught that way. And when you go to school, you take a test. You're expected to know everything, as parents, you have your firstborn. You're expected to know everything? Do we? No? Well, I didn't. It, it, it's, it, that's okay. Um, 
And then the, the verse that Dan read, you know, it's, it just fits right in saying, we're not separated. A bridge can separate. But we, as, as ambassadors, um, and as we go through our daily life, we don't need to be separated. So, amen. Lauren, it's really good to see you. It's good to see you. I think one of the biggest challenges that we face, though, as we get into this morning is when it doesn't go the way that we're praying. You know, there's people that aren't here because it didn't go the way that we wanted it to go. And that's where it's very difficult. Chapter 11, verse 1. Once when Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him as he finished and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So what did he ask? What was his request? Teach us how to pray, right? Teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. Give us our food day by day. And forgive us our sins just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. That's first of half of what we're going to get into this morning. Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Holy Spirit, once again, totally dependent upon you. We need you to open up our eyes to help us see the eyes of our heart and understanding. Thank you so much for your word. So John, John's a pretty serious guy. This is John the Baptist, you know, eating locusts and honey in the wilderness or, or something of the sort. And he's the forerunner. And yet he's forerunner of Christ, announcing Christ's coming, and yet he is dependent upon prayer. I mean, these, that's what the guys are saying. They're like, John's a man of prayer. We want to learn to pray just like John did and how he taught his disciples. Um, John is a man who, uh, you know, was filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. That's pretty significant, right? Totally dependent upon prayer. Jesus, ah, Son of God, right? Continually, you know, Garden of Gethsemane, different places, he's dependent upon prayer. Whether he's just doing that for example or, or whatever, but his, it's, it has to do not necessarily because of this, uh, you know, need, but yes, he was completely human and yet completely God. So he needed prayer, and it was that communion with Father that he desired. They didn't request what? They could have asked for all kinds of different things. What could they have asked for? Teach us how to preach better. Teach us how to what? 
perform miracles, make disciples, all those different things. But no, they want, they want prayer. They want to, they want to know, he said, teach us to pray. I think it's funny because as I was studying this, I was going, that's a little bit redundant, don't you think? Lord, teach us to pray. Okay, so if we made that request from our vantage point, that would be called prayer, wouldn't it? From theirs, they're just having a conversation with Jesus, but I think we need to look at what it is that they're doing. They're having a conversation. They're talking with Jesus as if he's really there, which he was. We don't do that all so, so well, I think, some of the times, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But So, you know, he's like, teach us to pray, and Jesus is like, I think you just did. I, th- I think that was just prayer. But any communication with God is prayer. But we've made it into something that it's not. There's kind of just this formula. And so anyway... They teach, Lord, Lord Jesus, teach us how, or teach us to pray, not how to pray. It's as, it's as if they're saying, Jesus, you are prayer. We, we see the amount of time that you are. It's almost like that's part of your identity in terms of who you are. Teach us to become prayer just like you. Worship, we use the similar type of analogy where we say, this isn't necessarily worship only, when we raise hands, dance, sing songs and that kind of stuff. But that's when we say, hey, let's worship together now. And then we fire up the band and we sing. But worship is our whole life. Well, so is prayer. So is prayer. He starts off, our Father, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be honored. I, I like where, you know, we use the New Living Translation here. And I like it because it's taking... It takes it out of the familiar because many of you, we just, as I read here, you're going, wait a minute, that's not the Lord's Prayer. A little bit different angle on how he approaches it here in this translation. Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. I think our kids should start their conversations with us in a similar way. You know, it's like, hey, Dad, you're awesome, you're amazing. Any dads, you know, it's like, yeah, rather than give me 20 bucks. Hey, I need this. I need that. How does Jesus begin his communication with father? With his dad, with his Abba. Relationship. Father, he's identifying you guys. You're part of a family. You're not just part of a corporation. You're not just part of the, you know, this business or this entity or something like that. No, you're part of a family. And when you're in a family, there's an inheritance that's associated with it. There's relationship that connects us. Sometimes the way that we approach prayer is to get our will done in heaven instead of getting God's will done on earth. Right? Becca mentioned this morning, I need, I need be myself and I, could I, you know, and it's not that he doesn't recognize we have needs because we're going to look at here just in the second half of this that he's okay with us having needs. You guys, my kids have needs. I love to meet those needs. 
This isn't some sort of a game where he teases us and holds our, you know, his provision and the resources and those things up here. And it's like, well, if you just do enough, if you just pray enough, you know, even for us as parents, earthly parents, you know, even when our kids are not, you know, asking in the right way, we're still providing for them. He knows we're selfish. He knows that we think about ourselves oftentimes before we think about Him. But Jesus is just trying to direct us a little bit here. And He's saying, start with just, Father, You're the best. You're the best. Because when we start with Him rather than I, then we're going to get where we need to get to. Because as Becca was preaching this morning in her little sermonette, it's more about us coming into alignment with Him because we don't want God to come into, right, conform to our will. We want to conform to His will because that's what He's going into here. May your kingdom come soon. Other translations say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we look at Matthew chapter 6. So our, our, our approach, I think, and we've... we've We've joked around a little bit in here, but I want to rehearse some of these again. But our approach can be, uh, our approach to prayer can be kind of interesting in how we communicate with God. Everybody's got their way in, you know, it's, it's learned behavior. Our, our kids learn how to communicate with other people by how they've learned to communicate with us. We did the same thing with our parents. We were, we were taught. It, it has much more to do with what was imparted to us rather than what was taught to us. Justice is shocked all the time. That's my oldest son, who's 12 years old now. And, and he's, we were just having this conversation the other day. And uh, he was saying, I know. I'm so, I, I can't believe it. I do all these things just like you, Dad. And he was saying that in a good way. Don't worry. But he's realizing his mannerisms, the things. And he said, yeah, when I was younger, I said, I intentionally would just watch you. And I would try and do what you did. That's a good thing. And that's not a not so good thing sometimes. But it puts the fear of God in us as parents. So these different interesting ways that we communicate with God. Uh, one of them is Repetition. You notice you don't see repetition in Jesus' prayer in the things that he's modeling for us or teaching us. And, you know, how we, we, you know, Father God, we thank you, Father God, for this day, Father God, that you're doing this, Father God. And we just, and what do we do? Holy Spirit, Father, thank you. It's like, who are you talking to? And so the name of God just becomes this filler, an um, an, uh, or, you know, a pause because we don't want any silence to be there because then that makes us look stupid like we don't know what we're doing. We're spiritual idiots. So we've got to look good, right? We've got to look good when we pray. If it's awkward, that's no bueno. We're not going to be able to keep up this front in front of people. And so we fill it with all this stuff and everybody's going, ooh, wow. That's really spiritual. If that same person started turning and talking with somebody else, we'd be like, you're on crack, man. 
It's like, why are you repeating my name, Eric? Thank you so much, Eric, Pastor Eric. We appreciate you, Pastor Eric, for what all you're doing, Pastor Eric. No longer super spiritual. Super not so cool. (laughs) Self-centered. Lord, help us. Give us a good day today. I don't know where my kids get that from. Probably from me. We had prayer corner, right, on the way to school, and we would we'd always have prayer, and so everybody would pray. And I did, One day it was just, you know, this, Lord, give us a good day and help us to have a good day so that we could have a good day. Bless our day, Lord, infuse it with blessings of... What does that even mean? So it started to instruct them and said, you know, what, what we're going to do, we're not going to ask God to give us a good day anymore and bless our day. We're going to say... Lord, help us to give you a good day today. It's a really simple, just perspective changer, but it changes things. We start thinking about him first rather than us. And it's going to go a lot better, isn't it? Our day is going to be better as a result of him getting a good day from us. So, self-centered, no bueno. But... Lord, help me to give you a great day by loving you with all my heart, taking up my cross and following you and glorifying you in all I do. That's a great start. That's a great start. Bowed head, eyes closed. Where do we see this in the Bible? Where did we ever get come up with this idea of we need to close our eyes? I think it came from parents. Hey, you, you're distracted. You don't quit looking. At, quit t- Hey, quit talking. Hey, Madeline, quit talking right there. What are you doing? Close your eyes and concentrate and focus. Yeah. And so we've carried that over, but we, we miss out on a lot of things too. And it kind of just, things kind of get, can. It doesn't mean, none of these things are necessarily um, bad in the sense that if you see somebody, you're like, hey, open your eyes, please. But try it out, though. Around the table as you're praying with the family or around the house different times. Um, here, whenever you pray, just pray with your eyes open. Try this one. Look the person in the eye while you're praying for them. That's cozy. <laughs> because it goes, it, 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 it's okay here, but as soon as Linda tries it in the in the tea room, right? It's a little bit like, but if she's just normal and she talks to God the way that she talks to other people and it doesn't get weird, people are like, whoa, that was kind of like life. That wasn't strange. That wasn't some religious weird thing that, that happened there. They're not turned off by it. They're actually turned on to Jesus because they realize, wow, his representative, the people that claim that, that he's their Lord and Savior and, and you know they're following him, they're kind of cool. It's not about being relevant. It's not about any of those things, striving for that type of thing. But it's just about being real. Because Jesus was extremely real. That's why all the religious community had such a problem with him. They did not appreciate him because he was genuine, real. He didn't play religious games. 
Reverence is one thing. Religion is quite another. We're not talking about being flippant. That's not honoring towards somebody else either. Horizontal. Communication with God is often described as vertical, right? Horizontal relationship with people, vertical relationship with God. Even though he's not necessarily up. Okay, we all understand that. Okay. <laughs> Heaven's not necessarily up. We won't go into that. I could, but... It seems at times when we pray in groups or corporately that we get a bit distracted with the people around us. We actually begin praying horizontally for the benefit of other people rather than focusing on God. Try this sometime. It helps me, but try picturing and seeing God's face in your mind, if you will, or you know, out here, however you want to. Maybe you don't know what God's face looks like. Mine kind of looks like my face of God that I kind of have in my mind kind of looks like my dad. could be somebody, you know, whatever, some hybrid. But the point being is to, when I'm talking over here, as opposed to looking straight at Dean and looking him in the eyes, it's kind of different. People that talk on the phone, it's not, you know, they could be doing all kinds of different things when they're, when they're talking. They get distracted by these things and the person on the other end of the line is going, are you still there? Because they got distracted. But if we can stay focused on Him in worship, when we're worshiping, just focused on Him. But see Him as the one that He is, the person that He is, the relationship that we have with Him. Don't get distracted by other people because otherwise we start praying to get more amens. Rather than what the Holy Spirit's telling you to pray. You may not get any amens. You may get people falling on their faces and repenting because of what you're praying. Because you're asking the Holy Spirit to come and change your life and change your heart and make you more like Jesus. think if we spend more time getting to know our Father in heaven, when we pray, when other people are present, it won't be so awkward for us or for them. So practice a lot. Relationship with the Lord. I don't want to turn people off. I don't want to turn people off from Jesus because I'm kind of weird. You know, I'm not real. I'm not genuine like he is. Bottom line, when we're genuine and honest, praying from a sincere heart, God really likes that. Why do we know God likes it? Because we like that. When people communicate with us with a sincere heart, when we're genuine with people, they like that, don't we? Don't they? Don't you? Totally. Think about the Psalms. It's raw. It's unedited. It's, it's the blues. God wasn't put off by that. He really loved that enough to include it in his scriptures that are inspired by him for our benefit today. Oh, I love this. Warren Wiersbe says this. He says, study God's word. We cannot know God's will if we do not know God's word. If we're praying about his will being done, and people conjure up all kinds of things. They make stuff up. 
that is totally in contrary to God's word. I think I should do this, or I think I should do that, or, and and you just you know you listen to them and you go, no, no, you shouldn't do that. Well, I really believe that I should do this, and I really I prayed about it. Well, your prayers have got to line up with God's word. If it doesn't, then you're in trouble. You're not going to reach the destination that you're supposed to in the condition that you really want to be in. Listen to this in John chapter 15, verse, starting in verse 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But, verse 7, if you stay joined to me, if you stay joined to me and we're like, yes, I will stay joined to you. I'm walking with you, God. But here's the next part that keeps us from making up things that he didn't really say. He says, and my words remain in you. So it's a two-part package deal. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, where are his words? Right here. Right here. So it keeps us from making stuff up and thinking that he told us things that he didn't really say. That's a great thing. So we've got to have his word in us for his word to come out of us in life. Then you can check this out. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like. And it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit that brings great joy to my father. So Jesus doesn't become this great vending machine in the sky that we just ask whatever we want. I need a new caddy. I need leather interior. I need all of that. I need all this stuff. No, because what if we have to ask, if we're asking in connection with his will, we're good. My kids come to me, they ask me some crazy stuff sometimes. But they've learned over time as they've grown in relationship with me, because most of them have been on the planet for at least eight years. They know, you can hear them talking amongst themselves sometimes, like, I'm going to go ask dad this. And the other one, particularly the older ones, are like, don't ask dad that, you know what he's going to say. Why? Because they know dad's will. Don't they? You already know what your parents are going to say. Well, if we know Father God enough and we know his word and his words remain in us, then we will also know better or not whether we should ask that. Yeah. Praise God. Well, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And that's what we're going to do this morning. This just became a two-part series. And uh, so keep it simple. We're going to end with this. Why don't you stand with me? I love this. John Corson, this guy's a great, um, he's one of my father-in-law's. Uh, favorite pastors, and he, he had this to say in one of his commentaries. He says, Jesus gives this same sermon. So, obviously, we're used to this one. We're in the Gospel of Luke, so God, Luke's given a little bit different flavor on this, what we, what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Not because he prayed it, but because he taught it. Because, obviously, when we're looking here, forgive us our sins, Jesus didn't need to pray that. Hallelujah. But 
he also does this, this is very familiar to us from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And he says that, John Corson says this, Jesus gives this same sermon two years prior. It was a sentence longer. He said, I think the Lord is the only one who gets simpler the longer one walks with him. We are the ones who have a tendency to make things more complicated. Keep it simple. I keep hearing this. Lisa's been having conversations with different people, and she's just like, you know what? Jesus is just getting simpler and simpler. When we were at family camp, what happened? The gospel just got simpler and simpler. Prayer. It's relationship. It's in sincere, sincere, genuine relationship with our Father. That begins with us being coming, becoming part of the family. And we'll touch on that this next week. Father, thanks so much for showing us your heart, your ways. I'm so grateful that this life with you is not just a bunch of rules. Man, even though I try and make it that way, I, I, I try and complicate, we try and complicate things. We hear you saying to us, just keep it simple. I'm simple. Jesus, you're simple. Not simplistic, but you're not complicated either. Thanks so much for, for teaching us. May we be able to represent you really well in the way that we relate to you and how people see that. Our kids and our, our family members and different ones that, that when they hear us communicate with you, that it's done with honor and it's done with honesty. I'm so grateful that you can handle our junk. Keep turning our hearts. Teach us to pray, to be prayer. Amen. Man, God's word's really good, isn't it? Really good. Man, have a great afternoon. Uh, enjoy the Seahawks.